Welcome to the Phoenix Nest, the podcast where bad bitches read romance. I'm Jess. And I'm Kat. And today we're going to talk about what is easily become my favorite book of all time. Uh, Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. McQuiston? We still don't know and we're still sorry. We need some help just like specifically in that department because y'all's Twitter won't tell us how to say your names. No, but I do follow Casey on Twitter. You should. I don't, but I should. You should. We just went to Pride in Colorado, and there was a man who posted about a man who was there who had a free dad hugs shirt on. Yeah, I saw that on Facebook. And his, like, there was another woman with free mom hugs. Yeah. That was weird. Your voice just went crazy. I am fortunate enough as a queer person that if I needed a free mom hug, I could just go to my mom and get one. (laughs) But if anyone wants to act as my pseudo dad... That'd be great. Not for bad reasons that, like, my dad wouldn't approve of me, but my dad is gone. Also, if anyone would like someone to perform their gay weddings, let me know. Cat can do it. The only wedding I've ever performed was a gay wedding. That's amazing. Yeah. In the alternate universe in which I get gay married? Yes. You'll have to officiate. Listen, the groom wore a cowboy's jersey. And the groom wore, like, a macrame 80s ladies jacket. I love everything about that. And they exchanged beads, like, necklaces. It was adorable. That's so cute. Yeah. It was great. And then we ate pumpkin soup (laughs) as the meal after. It was so cute. The, The only downside to me getting alternate universe gay married is that if you do officiate my gay wedding, who's going to be my maid of honor? I mean... Maybe your sister? Listen, my sister has gotten married twice, or got married once and got married uh, almost a second time. And and neither one of those was I, her maid of honor. Oh, see, that could be a problem. That bitch. It could be Emma. (gasps) Emma will 100% have to be my maid of honor. Duh. Yeah. Here's the downside to having so many friends. If I get gay married, how many of you guys are going to have to stand there? Because I'll just be like, you and you and you, because I couldn't tell you guys no. I'd have to give everyone a job so that I feel better about things. Yeah, I mean, we could all, like, share the maid of honor role or something, too. You could. You could. So, we're going to talk about Red, White, and Royal Blue now that we've got on our weird gay married tantrum. Yeah. Opening thoughts. Before you even read it, what were you thinking? Oh, man. So, I have never read a male-male romance. Okay. And my concern was mainly that it was going to be difficult to relate to. Okay. Uh, it wasn't at all. <gasps> so surprise. No, not really a surprise. But that was probably my main concern. Just you always want to feel connected to a character. And when you don't know what it feels like to be a gay person in any sense, mm-hmm. you don't always know what those emotions are going to Like the confusion of having or not having to, you don't ever have to, of deciding to come out. Um, I've never had to stand there and be like, guys, I am straight. <laughs> like, maybe we should start making straight people do that. Me and my mom talk about that, that we should make straight people have the same process. Listen, if you've ever seen the movie Love, Simon. Yes, it's so good. They have the scene where Simon's basically like, if you're straight, you don't have to come out. Like, what would that be like? Which is true, because these people assume... It's just an assumption that automatically you're straight. That's just Mm -hmm. how it is. My first assumptions of this, I was hoping on every cell in my body that the hype was going to be worth it. Also, I heard no hype. I didn't research at all. 
I don't like to because then I feel like my expectations get real weird. Yeah, my expectations were incredibly high and they were met and exceeded. This is arguably, I think, one of the best books we've read. And as far as romance goes, especially modern romance, just an incredible book all the way through, like from beginning to end. There was no part where I was like, oh, this is awful. There was no part where I went, God, this is so slow. Why isn't this picking up? Like, we've had those where we read them and we're just like, there was a chunk in the middle that I was done and over with and I didn't want anything to do with. At no point did I have that. In fact, I had to go one day without picking this up after work because I had some plans that I had to take care of. I was so sad. (laughs) So the whole time I was doing this thing, I'm going, you know, I could be at home. Alex and Henry kind of have my attention right now. I don't want to be here. But because I had to be an adult, I did it anyway. Yeah, I like binge read it in less than 24 hours because I started reading it and I was like, all right, this is pretty good. I can get into the storyline. Because it's not just solely focused around them being gay. No. There's so much else going on that you're like, oh my God, these people are all kind of amazing. So I like couldn't put it down. So I finished it at like three in the morning or something crazy. I wish that I could have done that. But work is real and I couldn't. And that was frustrating to me. I tried so hard. So I'm not supposed to read at work. <laughs> I'm not supposed to. Right, yeah. But it's been really dead in the office recently, so I was like, I'm going to go grab my book, and I'm going to read in the office. Mm-hmm. I am fortunate enough that I was reading a book on Mount Everest, which is my current weird obsession, and I decided I was going to grab that book just in case, and thank God I did, because my boss definitely stopped by, and I had the book in the back of the office. If I had this big pink gay book in my office, my boss would have had a lot of questions. But because it looked like just a, a manual and not like a big pink book, mm-hmm. I got away with it. Yeah. But if I did not say to myself, don't take this in there, I would have read this whole thing. I would not have realized that my boss was in the office. It would have been bad. I loved this book. I loved everything about this book. I want to be friends with all of the characters in this book, except for Richards. Fuck him. I don't want to be friends with him. <laughs> He's gross. I don't like him. Yeah. Do you want to give a little bit of a synopsis? I will do my best. We're going to glaze over some parts because even though all the parts are important, the main protagonists are what we're probably going to talk most about today. Yeah. Um, so we have this family that's from Texas and the mom of the family is a single mom. She's divorced and she's in politics and she is elected as the first female president of the United States. Well, she's not single. Well, as a single woman, yes, she goes into politics. Yes, right. as a single woman. She has Leo, her new husband. <laughs> the gentleman of the White House. I love him. So cute. Um, but anyway, so she is lucky. She is eventually getting married again. So she takes her kids to live in the White House with her because they're going to college and all this stuff. And we have these moments of international relations which, as, like, a normal person, I'm like, oh, that just means, like, they're talking treaties and shit. No, that's not what that means in this book. It means they have to hang out with the kids of other, like, big deal families. And that happens to be Prince Henry from Wales. And uh, our main character, Alex, is, you know, Ellen's son. Ellen is the president. He is the first son. Every time they put F. Sotis. I was like, how do I say that in my head? <laughs> Fasotis. I kept saying it as Fasotis. Yeah, it was horrible. But And then I, I never thought about that. 
Because I know you talk about SCOTUS and yeah, all that stuff. But... All of my notes are like, oh no, the POTUS is angry. <laughs> like anytime yeah. I had to refer to Ellen yeah. and her character, I just referred to her as POTUS. Yeah. That's just all there was to it. So uh, we meet our protagonist. Yep. And he's going through with his best friend and his sister and talking about all the gossip that's been written about them. Which is so easy to imagine because anytime you're like at the grocery store, you can look at the magazines and be like, oh man, what's the royal family up to? It's so easy. And so they kind of go through it all. And it makes me think that's not something I ever want to do. No? I, uh, no, I don't even Google myself, dude. Like, I have never Googled myself, but I am not of, uh, like, of in any kind of importance. Like, Bethany has a Google alert set up for her own name. <laughs> <laughs> Did like, you know that? No, like, specifically for her first and last name? Yeah. I wonder if our Google, <laughs> like, if we were to put Google alerts up for ourselves. I think we come podcast, up on this. I would hope we do. Well, I think, well, I don't know. But <laughs> it's just not something, like, I don't like reading about myself, especially if what people are going to say is, like, mean. And, yeah. like, it's entertaining to a point, I think, especially, like, I went through when people would, like, talk shit about me in high school. Yeah. And I, like, secondhand hear it. And then I'd have to, like, fight with people about it. Like, yeah, I definitely didn't do that. Or, like, that's not true. And for some reason, people don't believe you when it's your own life. And you're like, why would I Why would I have sex with a teacher? There was a rumor that went around. And I know who spread this rumor. And if she's listening to this podcast, go fuck yourself. I know it was you. <laughs> but this rumor went around saying that I was pregnant. As a junior in high school. Fun. Um. Cool. I don't like children. I have a child. I love her. But only her. But only her. (laughs) Other children give me the creeps. And at that point in my life, at no point, would I have been like, yep, we're going to do something to get ourselves knocked up in the family way. No. No, 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 no. I had to kill so many rumors. And then my dad came to me. So be mindful of the fact that my hometown is two and a half square miles. Right. It's small. Everyone knows everyone. There was like 500 students and staff at my high school, Mm -hmm. which means rumors get out. Everybody knows everything. Do you know how hard it is to explain to your father that you are not, in fact, pregnant? (laughs) I've luckily never had to do that. I have had to just, like, explain to people, like, no... I'm definitely not having sex with the entire, like, wrestling team or, like, the coach. I and also... And people are like, well, why do you travel with them? Well, because that's my job. <laughs> like, I also want to point out that the girl who started this rumor was pregnant at graduation. Mm, that's some weird karma, dude. Spread your rumors, bitch. <sighs> You're the one who has three children and married your high school sweetheart and still live at home. I mean, that doesn't sound like an awful life, but it's not the life that you would want. Yeah, but do you want to live where I grew up? No, I lived in a very small town for a little while. It was not. And it was never a dream of mine to return there permanently. It was awful. It was Like, horrible. it was an option, like, when I started working, like, my career. They're like, you should come. And I was like, mm, but that means I have to live here. And yeah. I don't want to. No. It's so, a charming little place when you're visiting. When Anyways. You're, yeah. <laughs> so, we have the three. They are... Alex, mm-hmm. they are June, right, and their friend Nora. Yeah, Nora. It took me a bit to figure out who Nora was. I was a little confused. Nora is the grandchild of the vice president, right? Okay, these three run the White House. 
They're all adults. They're all in their 20s. They're but legal they all to drink. live in the White House, too. Yes, they all live there. Because they go to college in the area. It just makes the most sense. Yeah. So they get invited to a wedding. The royal wedding. Because, okay, who would want to go to the royal wedding if you're, like, a dignitary? Like, I totally get it. Yeah, I would want to go. Yeah. So... Alex is upset that he has to go to this royal wedding for Prince Philip because he's got beef with Prince Henry. Who's Philip's younger brother. Yes. No one really knows what the beef was about at this point. We just know that there was beef. They get to the wedding. They're drinking. Alex decides that he's going to go talk to Henry. And a scuffle ensues. And a $75,000 cake for the royal wedding is ruined. Which... The crime here is that you spent $75,000 on a cake and didn't have anyone to guard it. You spent $75,000 on a cake. On something people are going to eat and destroy and poop out. You knew. <laughs> That's such a weird way to put it. You knew that you were inviting the first son over and that the first son and the prince don't get along. And you just left a $75,000 cake unattended. Right. So because of this, they then have to do this cover-up thing. Like, no, they weren't really fighting. They're going to spend time together because they're best friends. And so they do, like, visits and charity work. And, like, they have a minimum number of posts they have to make about each other. On Twitter. (laughs) And, like, Instagram, like, oh, here's a photo of them being best friends. Like, like stuff that you wouldn't imagine having to do. And then it kind of turns out that they kind of become friends. And then that's where our actual romance stems from is a few chapters in. Yes. So there are only 15 chapters in this whole book. The chapters are very long, and I am more than okay there with that. There's only one where I was like, this is the longest chapter ever. Like, <laughs> it is so long. So Kat and I spent a lot of time texting each other. And then when we were hiking, we had a discussion about it as well, because I couldn't hold it in. I was too excited. I fucking <laughs> love this book. So the friendship ensues, and it's really that Alex sees there's more to Henry than what he thought. He thought that Henry was boring, and blah, and just whatever. And he got a, he got a, a fact sheet, if you will, about Henry. And it's all boring, blah, British things. And he's like, it yep. is boring. Well, then he finds out through one of the charity things they have to do to, you know, show, show that they're friends. He finds out that there's a lot more to Henry than meets the eye. Yes. And they, a situation occurs where they think there's a shooting in the hospital and it's mm-hmm. not a shooting, it's fireworks. But they get shoved into a closet by their Secret Service guys. And they're like, hide here! And in that, they kind of admit a couple things to each other. You know, yeah, Henry likes Star Wars. He's a bigger nerd than you think. And uh, Alex basically forces his phone number on Henry. And he's like, text me anytime. And through that, they have conversations. They start texting to each other. And they start to learn more about each other. And this friendship occurs. Mm -hmm. The turning point from where we went from enemies to friends and now we're about to go from friends to lovers and there's a big jump from that it was a huge jump from that. it was a huge jump from that but i was okay with it the kids of the white house throw a party it's a new the, year's it's party. a new year's party and all the famous people's kids are going to be there and prince henry comes with mm-hmm. his friend pez mm-hmm. yes if we had to put a name on who pez is in our group do we have a pez or are we all kind of Pez? Like someone that's so extra? Yeah. <clears throat> I feel like if anyone's Pez, it's me, honestly. 
I feel like we all have a little bit of Pez in us, but I feel like if there was like a legitimate Pez, it's, like we it's had definitely to pick you. one. If yeah, if we had to, Cat is our Pez. Yeah. Cat, <gasps> your auntie Pez. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with that. So he brings Pez with him and they're at the party and Alex sees that Henry has left the party. Yeah. So Alex goes, bro, what's going on? You know, he's got to go. First of all, he left the party because Alex kissed Nora at midnight. Yes. But Nora and Alex had a thing. <clears throat> they had a thing. It stopped being a thing and they just let people perpetuate. That it's continuing on. Right. When it's not. Um, but Henry doesn't know that. No. And so Alex goes out to where Henry is and is basically like, what's going on? And Henry kisses Alex and then leaves. And as a queer person, let me just tell you, when I wasn't out and I wasn't 100% cer- like certain what was going on with me... If another girl had kissed me, I probably would have gone into the same gay existential crisis that Alex did. (laughs) (laughs) They're both in a crisis. It's so funny and awful at the same time because Henry's crisis is that he kissed Alex without permission. Yep. And it was like a great kiss, but it was really bad that he did that. And he's like embarrassed and distraught because he's like, he could never like me. But Alex's crisis is that he's like, oh my, am I gay? Am I gay? It just occurs to him that he might be bisexual. And it takes a while for him to be like, wait a second. My favorite thing is, though, is he goes to Nora. So Nora's whole thing is she is into numbers. She's always running the statistics. Right. Alex wants to be a politician. Nora runs number numbers. And June is a journalist. Yeah. That's their thing. Alex runs to his best friend, Nora, and asks her, what are the statistics of me being bisexual? Because... He doesn't know. And Nora's like, oh, it's a pretty large number. (laughs) It's just funny to have him ask that because no matter how much you want to quantify, like, how gay or straight you might be, there's not a real way to do that. But she, like, kind of puts it in a way to explain him, like, listen, here's a bunch of signs that kind of would add up to, yeah, you're a little bit, you know. You're a little on the... You're a little on the spectrum, You're not not where you thought you were. You're you're not as straight as you thought. (laughs) No. And he kind of realizes that, oh, oh, that that hatred I had for Henry wasn't really hatred. I did admire his spread in the teen, you know, teen magazine. It's just suppressed sexual energy. Oh, 100%. Things occur, he realizes what's happening, and he also realizes he really likes Henry. Yeah. And their friendship begins to turn into more than friendship. And they start out um, by making up excuses to be together in public. He goes to a polo match. Prince Henry comes to the White House for a visit. They meet in New York. They have... And all the time, there is an intense oral attraction going on here. Okay, there were so many blowjobs given and received. But you know what? Not described in the typical way a blowjob is described in a straight romance. I would like to thank Casey for never once saying Velvet Wrapped Steel in this entire book. <laughs> Maybe that's why I love it so much. Yeah, There's that's no why. Velvet Wrapped Steel in the entire thing. It's just, it was interesting because it wasn't like she was glazing over it like it wasn't a big deal. And it wasn't like she was trying to like not be gross in some way. No. It was just like a, well, this is a thing that's happening kind of a thing. It was so tastefully done. Like, it was tasteful. 
but it was sexy, but it was tasteful. It was not, and not at any point did I go, ew, uh, ew, which I have done mm. in several of our books that we've read where I just went, mm, I don't like that. It comes to a head when Alex realizes he needs to say something. And this whole time, Alex and Henry have been exchanging emails and text messages. Right. And a couple times, Alex kind of questions whether or not emailing each other is okay, because he starts to think, is it really as secure as I think it is? And the whole time that this is occurring, his mom is gearing up for her second term. Right. Gearing up to go out there and try to get a second term. And a couple things happen where Alex has to come out to his mom. He doesn't have to. And I would like to clarify, at no point do you have to ever come out of the closet. Well, I think in his situation, he kind of did because of her status. He did it because he knew that if she wanted to well, run Well, they couldn't and win, afford a scandal. That no, they couldn't. The, the whole problem was they couldn't afford a scandal. The point that he comes out, Ellen tells him he needs to be absolutely certain that the situation is forever. Mm-hmm. And now Alex is faced with, is Henry my forever? My first gay relationship, is he my forever? That's scary. <laughs> That's fucking terrifying. <laughs> I don't know what I would be able to do. I, I, I wouldn't. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I wouldn't be able to do it. And he comes out. He realizes, yeah, I can make Alex my forever. Some things occur. Some more things occur that causes the, uh, the big scandal to be revealed. Right. And the scandal is that Alex and Henry are gay, which is not true. Alex is bi. Henry is gay. He does say he's gay. And he can't be gay because he's a royal. And royals just, they're not. They're not gay. Can't be. His brother Philip is a dick. He really is. He's such an asshole. He really is. He's horrible. And then the whole time I was reading this, I was going, oh my god, is this what Prince William and Prince Henry are like? Or Prince Harry? I had that whole, like, oh no, is William an asshole? And then Prince Harry just wants to be happy? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I think they're both great. It's fine. (laughs) But it comes out and there's a lot of trying to save face. And it does not work. No. Not even a little bit. Because the evidence that's out there is huge. It's the emails. It's photographic proof, but from areas that look weird. Like, they're not, they're not okay. Right. And they realize that Nora has gone missing. We're kind of skipping a whole lot, but it's okay, because we're going through the main portion right now. Right. They realize that Nora is missing. She comes to surface about three days later. She's got some news. They figured out where it's come from, but they can't prove that it's come from the opposing party, right? which is Senator Richards, the gross, awful human being. I don't like him. He's nasty. It's up to Alex to figure out where the the intel came from. And at this point, he's having a fight with a good friend of his who is um, Senator Rafael Luna. He is a gay senator. He thought they were best friends. He worked on his campaign. But Luna has decided he's going to back the Republican Party. And Alex because is Because he was one of the possible swing votes. Yes, he was one of the possible swing votes. Alex is devastated. But then he realizes that there is a code in the email that mm-hmm. Nora received. And the code 
basically leads him to Raphael Luna's Five Guys Order. And that's how he realizes the intel came from Luna. And he realizes at that point, this is what's going on. Richards is trying to take him down. He's trying to start the scandal. In the end, everything works out because this is a romantic comedy. And there's always a happy ending. Oh, sure. And we get our happy ending. You know, Ellen wins the second term. Alex and Henry get to be together. Things are great. The humor is amazing. Yes. The part where (laughs) there's a part around Thanksgiving where Alex realizes that the turkeys that get pardoned get to stay in a really squishy hotel room. And he's like, no, 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 no. We're not. We're not. Taxpayers dollars, mom. We can't do that. Put the turkeys in my room. She keeps saying, we're not putting the turkeys in your room. We're not doing it. He finally (laughs) says, we're doing it. Put the turkeys in my room. And he gets the turkeys. And part of how the friendship between Henry and Alex blossoms is these turkeys in his bedroom. He texts Henry that the turkey is staring into his soul. (laughs) Okay. Have you ever been face to face with a turkey, though? No, I haven't. I don't want to be. They're scary looking. terrifying. But the whole scene was probably the funniest thing I have ever read. Ever. One of the turkeys' names is Cornbread, first off. Well, yeah, it was a Thanksgiving pardon, Jessica. It made me laugh, though. It was so fucking funny. He's all, he keeps talking about how the turkeys are going to break out and go Jurassic Park on him. He's like, I can't do this. It's weird because like, turkeys are huge and scary, but they're also really stupid. Turkeys will drown in the rain. Yeah. So, I mean... I don't know that they go full Jurassic Park. No, but he doesn't know that. He doesn't know that at all. How did you feel about the banter between all the characters? I feel like this was a really good example of how people talk to each other now, especially over social media or text or in emails when it's between friends. Because in the other books that we read, we have very formal language because they're older. The writing style is just different. And so this was a really good example because it's supposed to be really modern, like with the times modern. Literally. And it was really nice to see stuff where you could maybe relate to it more as a millennial. Because I know that's been one of your hangups is like, as a millennial, you struggle. Oh, yeah. And this was a really good example of an author that put the energy into not just, it didn't feel forced. No. Like, like like hipster mom no it was more like you know this person understood how people young people relate to each other i loved that yeah and it, it, you're right none of the characters felt like they were being forced to speak to each other and none of them were ostracized for being weird as no. soon as alex came out to everyone in his own time all of them were kind of like yeah we knew, or that's cool. Like, his sister pulls out the magazine from when he was a teenager and was like, remember how you used to, like, stroke Henry's hair in this photo <laughs> shoot? And he's like, why do you have this? And she's like, because I knew. Like, yeah, that's kind of a big deal. Because when people do come out, it's, like, important for them to do it in their own time, in their own way. And sometimes you get a good reaction and sometimes you get a bad reaction. And I don't think we saw anything negative in the way that's handled, even on a large scale. No. Like, when the queen was giving everyone a lot of shit about how no one wants to see a gay royal, and they're like, well, did you look at the riot outside? Because that's, you know, the opposite of what you think it is. And then it's, oh, it's so good. supported. The end of the book was just a lot of crying. It, it was so... For so many reasons. It was good crying. I happy cried the whole last half of the book. Yeah, I would say the last, like, three or four chapters were just like, 
oh my god, they're so in love. And then, oh my god, everyone's so supportive. And then, oh my god, those people are engaged. And like, just on and on and on. (laughs) It was so good. It was so, so good. I, as someone who came out in their own time, I didn't come out of the closet until I was 31. I'm 33. (laughs) (laughs) It's difficult to know how people are going to react. Because I came out to you first. Right. You were the very in a text first message. You, yes. In a text message, you were the very first person that I came out to. At that time, I was incredibly depressed. I wasn't working. I was about to get fired from the job that I wasn't working mm-hmm. at. Things were coming to a head and my brain went, Oh, this is why things aren't good for you right now. I had just gotten out of the shower. I get out, I grab my phone, and I text Kat, and I say, um, I think I'm gay. <laughs> and Kat was like, okay, why? <laughs> why do you think and not know? Because <laughs> when you when you think you're something, I mean, there's, there's some doubt there. There is, yes. But I came out to Kat first in a text message, and then about four hours later, I came out to my other best friend, Emma. Everyone... Who I'm, who I, at that point, who I had said, and it was only two people, were like, yeah, we kind of knew. Mm-hmm. And we support you no matter what. Mm-hmm. And Kat and Emma come from two very different backgrounds. You know, I've got the pretty liberal Kat, who's like, yeah, everyone has rights, all that fun stuff. And then Emma is pretty conservative, you know, she's all, you know, gun rights and all that fun stuff. But at the same time, we're best friends and she supports me. Reading this and seeing the support was amazing. There was and no negativity. levels of support. Yeah. There were some characters in there who are like, all right, good for you. Because it's not their job to care. Yeah. Like their job is like secret service type security. But then the other people, they were just varying levels. Like you're the second person that's come out to me. Um, the first person was my next door neighbor that had been like my best friend since the third grade. And we're in the car, and he said, uh, so I need to tell you something. And I was like, okay. And he was like, I'm gay. And I was like, I know. <laughs> he's like, how do you know? I said, do you remember in, like, third grade when I refused to fake marry you? And he's like, yeah. I said, I knew then. <laughs> and he's like, well, why didn't you tell me? And I was like, what? I was in third grade, too. I can't tell another kid they're gay. And I- also in third grade, I didn't really know what being gay was so yeah i was just like that kid's not a kid i'm gonna fake marry i got i got <laughs> fortunate enough that when i finally did come out on a on the like out of the closet i wasn't just like peeking around the door frame and telling whoever passed by hey i'm gay when i finally came out and i told my mom we were having an emotional breakdown we had just gone through i had just gone through something pretty traumatic with some family um you know, came to terms with the fact that I was depressed and there was just a lot going on. My mom and I sat in her car in my driveway. She was dropping me off after this traumatic event. I can barely breathe. And she says to me, what's causing all of this? And I finally looked at her and I said, mom, I have to tell you something. She says, okay. And I said, I'm not straight. (laughs) And my mom, out of the tears, chuckles and says, I know. Are you fucking kidding me? Mom, I want you to know I'm still pretty salty about that. (laughs) Just want you to know. It's hard because, especially for your mom who, like, raised you, 
like, she's probably like, well, I wanted you to figure it out on your own. She did. She did. Whereas for me, it's like, my gaydar is pretty damn good, but it's not my job to go around and be like, I know you're gay and you're gay and you're gay. <laughs> like, yeah. That's not a thing. You should never try to take away someone's ownership of their, like, feelings and emotions. And wanting to come out in a specific way means that you shouldn't go around and be like, what are you, gay? I really hate that. I was lucky enough that when I did come out, there was only one person who reacted negatively to it. Mm -hmm. We have had this discussion about this person, Mm -hmm. and it was out of ignorance. Which is still not a great excuse. I always feel like when people are ignorant and their first reaction is super negative, they're being kind of selfish because they're not talking about how it affects the person who is doing the big crazy stuff that's scary. Yeah. They're talking about, well, how does this affect me? And it's like, well, it doesn't. Not really. Ugh. Coming out and then explaining to everybody what it means to be pansexual. Right. Because that is what I identify as. I will tell people I'm queer. I tell people I'm gay. Because I'm not going to be, well, I'm I'm pansexual. Because right. most people don't know what that means. Um, and for and those- that was a distinction that you and I talked about when you came out. Because you were like, I'm pretty sure it's not just like, I'm a lesbian. And I was like, well, what do you think you are, Jess? And so we had that conversation very early on. We did. And I still I still have to explain two and a half years later sure. what it means. And that's fine. For those of you that don't know, um, the distinction for pansexuals are that we don't look at gender when we look for a partner. And I think the way that I put that in words when you and I talked before was you more fall in love with someone's spirit and their, like, true self than their actual body. Hearts, not parts. Yeah. So that's I think exactly that's just it. something that's difficult for people to understand because their sense of attraction is based entirely on physical attraction yeah. at first. Yeah. I had to explain that to this person who reacted ne- negatively. And the reason why was because he asked, so now you want to be a boy? He got pansexual mixed up with being transsexual. Right. Which can also be mixed up with gender fluid. People get really confused. And they're all very different, very separate things. They are. They are. The other thing that I really loved about this particular book is that there is so much inclusivity in it. Mm -hmm. We had a gay main character. We had a bisexual main character. We had secondary characters who were trans we ha- so we had a trans character, and the trans character, her wife is pansexual. Mm-hmm. Can I just say, I want Amy's wife's denim jacket. With the flowers? With the pansexual <laughs> pride-colored flowers. I want that so bad. I read that and immediately started crying because for once, there was a character in a book who was like me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just it was a character in a book who was gay. It was a character in a book who identified as being a pansexual person. But this book was all over the place in terms of not just orientation. No. But just character backstories. Like, the president was a liberal white woman from Texas who was in an interracial marriage and had biracial children. Yes. And was a Texas Democrat. Like, and who won. Who won. So there were just, there, it wasn't just the orientations of all the people because we also had a lot of hints that Nora and um, and June June were hooking up. Yes, a lot of those hints. Because Nora was Nora was a lesbian. You right. know, we had characters who were so incredibly diverse. 
which is so nice because we not only that but we had very strong black woman who wasn't a stereotype no she was super well educated fueled on coffee and she fell in love with an indian bodyguard from british but here's the best part the best part about that whole situation is that when they realize that zara has a boyfriend and they're like, how? When? <laughs> who? Like, can you give me who? We don't find out until the very, very, very end who Zara is engaged to when she's on the plane taking him to Henry. And she makes the phone call. She makes the phone call and you t- find out that it is the bodyguard to the prince. This whole time. This whole time. And it's funny because... Um, when she like went on a date or whatever, Alex was like, "Is it like a he goes to another school situation?" And literally, it is. <laughs> like, like literally, literally that's it is. the thing. Like he's just from a different country. I I just loved that. For once in a book, I felt like there was a character not only that I could identify with, mm-hmm. but that there was a character who used my pronouns. And had my sexual orientation, and they were represented in an incredibly positive light. Yeah. It wasn't a joke. It wasn't a character that was going to be killed off to further the plot in any way. No, they existed like a person would exist in the background of a normal light. And it was amazing. And I loved it. And I cried openly. Oh, there was so much crying. We'll 100% tell you there was so much crying. I, had I read this sooner, Mm -hmm. if this was the first book that I read after coming out where I went, yes, that's what it's like, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been surprised at all about how I felt about it. Um, I can tell you that one of my favorite books of all time is Simon vs. the Homo Sapiens Agenda by Becky Albertalli, (laughs) because it was the first book that I read about a kid coming out and what it meant to come out and what it was like to be that person. Right. And that book is what I needed when I was in high school. Yeah. And you know, there's not a whole lot of queer literature that's aimed at young adults. No. And I think that's because traditionally schools aren't allowed to teach anything that's religious. Yeah. Or anything um, that would be considered, like, overtly sexual. Yeah. And unfortunately, until this probably most recent decade, we haven't had access to anything that could represent so many different people and so many different kinds of people in a way that wasn't really in your face. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, like, super important because I teach kids. I've had gender fluid kids. I've had transsexual kids. I've had gay, bisexual, like, I've had the full gamut. You've had in kids. In my classroom. You've had kids come out to you. Oh, yeah. In your classroom. And I'm in like. In front of the whole class. Is that a thing you want to share with everyone? And they're like, well, I'm going to share it in class. I'm like, okay, that's up to you. And I think that people are like, well, it's just a phase. And while it may be an experimental phase, it's not for you to say, like, you're not. Like, that's not for you to say. Part of why. I stayed so deep into the closet. I was basically in Narnia 
as I said the other night <laughs> when we went out, I was so far into Narnia that I was having conversations with Mr. Tumnus. Like, <laughs> it was bad. It was snowing back there, even though we're from Arizona. Part of the reason why I was so far into the closet was because my hometown is so small. Mm-hmm. And there were only two gay couples in my whole hometown. Small towns seem to really struggle because the people that settle there are often very like-minded. Yes. And so you either end up with a very liberal place, like the places um, back east that are, <laughs> I don't know who knows, where they don't have cell phones anymore. There's a whole city, there's a whole town, like a little town of like 2,000 people, and they don't have cell phones anymore because they want to get to know each other. That's, so they don't have cell towers. They don't have cells. That's adorable, but also they have terrifying. to knock on people's doors. No, fuck that. My anxiety like, can't hey, do that. want to grab coffee. Nope. But but you know you go one of two ways yeah. when you're around like minded people. I one of the gay couples was my cousin, mm-hmm. and I grew up with her and her partner. Uh, they babysat me for a long time, and I'm sure there were times where my mom was questioned about whether or not that was the right decision. To have a lesbian couple take care of their daughter. And thankfully, I have never been asked, is it because we let you stay with them? <laughs> like, never. Um, but coming out and being gay in a small town mm-hmm. is not something that I ever wanted for myself. Knowing the, sh- the absolute shit that people talked in my hometown. Right. Being gay was an insult. From where, where I'm from, you know, oh, ugh, he's he's gay. Or, there was a rumor that went around about a kid that he was bisexual. And it was the worst thing that anybody had ever heard. I can't believe he's bisexual. You can't trust him because he's either going to hit on a girl or he's going to hit on a boy. And you can't be around that. And he was a social pariah. It's a lot of just being uninformed, like you said, ignorant. Yeah. Because whether or not you're gay or straight or anything in between that, that doesn't make you morally a bad person no. in any way. That's a different problem. Yeah. And very often, you're going to have the same traits in a gay person as you are in a straight person. You're just, you just are. You just are. It both, is. Both people can be manipulative. Both people can be amazing. It was difficult to do that. So I threw myself into being as straight as I possibly could. I got married to a man. I had a child with a man. When we got divorced, I dated another man. And then finally it just came to a head and I was like, listen, everyone, <laughs> men are gross. At least the men I've been dating. <laughs> <laughs> and so I came out and things have been a lot better now that I've been out. And I think that having read Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda, if I had had that in high school, I would have felt more comfortable. Had I had this book as a new adult, mm-hmm. say 10 years ago, I would have come out 10 years ago. Because this is showing that you can be queer, you can be part of the LGBTQIA plus community, and you can be positive about it. Right. And it's not got to be this big groundbreaking thing. It can just be that you are a person and you are allowed to have these feelings about mm-hmm. someone of the same gender. So to Becky Albertalli and to Casey McQuiston, McKiston, however you pronounce it, <laughs> thank you from a queer person. For writing a book that embodies what it means to be queer and to come out as queer. Because without these authors, so many other people 
are going to go through life not knowing that it's okay. Right. And it was amazing. And I loved it. And I just went on this really long rant about (laughs) what it's like. A little bit. But I feel like a lot of people need to know that. And a lot of people need to understand that. And I feel that the more people that share their experiences, the better it is for the people who haven't had the experience to come out or the people who've had bad experiences. And that can be said for a lot of things. Yeah. And I think that even though it might be difficult for people to choose to be open, because it is a choice, um, if it's something that you feel is going to better someone else's life, it's worth it. Yeah. I have made it a point since having come out to just talk to everybody about it. This was my experience. This is what it was like. This is what I go through on a day-to-day basis. And I think a lot of our friends, like our mutual friends in our group, were like, so Jessica's gay now? And I was just like, yeah. (laughs) They're like, okay. (laughs) My favorite, my favorite thing is, so Jessica is gay now. And I'm like, well, Jessica has always been gay, but Jessica's come to terms with it now and is open about it now. But yeah, I mean, I was fortunate enough to have the group of friends that I have. Yeah. And to have the family that I have. Where no one has been like, well, we can't have that. So thank you to everyone <laughs> who's been on my team and been like, yeah, we get it. Um, you guys are amazing and I love you. <laughs> so yeah, how did you feel after reading this? Um, after I stopped crying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I was really happy because it put a lot of difficult things to talk about in a very positive light. Like even the minor storyline of... Um, Alex's parents and their divorce. Yeah. That wasn't even like they were fighting constantly. Like they clearly had problems, but they're still supportive of each other. Yep. And that's a minor thing that no one hardly ever talked about. They just talk about custody battles and how much their parents hate each other. And that's why they're divorced or so and so cheated. And I mean, that's a minor storyline within this story, but it was interesting to see everything you know, ending in, like, this nice, neat little bow. Yeah. Because everything worked out the way you wanted it to. Like, there was nothing that happened in the end where I was like, well, that doesn't make sense because we've had that already. Oh. Where we're like, why? That was, like, a weird left turn. Like, Why did it okay. end that way? I loved everything about it. it. It started strong. The middle was strong. The end tied everything the up in a nice fireworks, bow. right? Yeah, yeah, the fireworks. And, you know, Alex takes Henry to his home. This childhood home. It's their house in Texas. And it, it was great. It was so fucking good. I love this book. I want to live in this book. Well, you know, someday we may be able to do that. But we gotta get a female president in there first. Kat, as our, as our Auntie Pez, when <laughs> are we getting matching kimonos? Listen, as soon as I find one that's cute enough and figure out what to embroider on them, we're gonna get them. <laughs> The whole time Kat and I talked about this book, like, we just kept talking about how badly we want to have a party that, like, that Auntie Pez throws. Honestly, though, Pez has basically the job that I would love to do. And I don't know if that's because of, like, an educator mindset or because I'm, like, a bleeding heart. (laughs) But where you, like, your job is to travel and start nonprofits and, like, delegate what they're going to do and who they're going to help and how many people can be helped and like he has, running all the stats on that and it's like for, I mean for sure he had a lot of money and that would definitely help he had get that such going. a great but he was such a great character we call first off we call him Auntie Pez 
because that's what he refers to himself as in this book. Yeah, he's just like living this lavish lifestyle, but also this very generous lifestyle. He's very, really he's very eccentric as well. Right. I mean, he's got crazy colored hair, and he's loud, and he's boisterous, and he and wears whatever the fuck he wants. He's yes. wearing floral bomber jackets, and I want tunics. to, <laughs> I want to be Pez. If I'm being completely honest, like <laughs> I just, I wish that I could exude that that aura and just be like him he was very confident without being gross yes yes i loved pez i love pez i also want to before we go i want to touch on how alex and henry say i love you in their emails Uh without saying i love you right and this is like some romantic shit that i would do this is 100 percent cat's mo this is oh, if God. Kat had to tell someone she loved them. Like, secretly. Secretly. Kat would slip in love letters written. Excerpts from love letters from historical couples. Yes. Like that. Da- and it's always, like, I love that every time they, when they started doing that, it applied to whatever their situation was. Yes. Not just, like, I miss you kind of stuff, but, like. What's going on even politically? Yeah. And I thought that was amazing because, you know, love letters exist between these people that are in power. And, I mean, there was a noise email. Nope. I love, too, that it was not just straight couples. Mm -hmm. It was, like, secret lovers. Secret gay lovers. It was best friends. Yes. It was was everything. It was everything. And it all started because... My favorite musical in the entire world, <laughs> Hamilton. Their first sexual encounter happens against a portrait of Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> I think that's the funniest thing ever. I want you to know that through the entire thing, I stopped and literally sang whole verses of songs oh my God. from the Hamilton soundtrack by myself in my one bedroom apartment, just throwing out some lyrics like an idiot. Because it was just perfect. It was amazing. (laughs) But he does have a good, one of the quotes, you know, that they send to each other is a letter written by Alexander Hamilton to John Lawrence. And it does talk about love in it. And I feel like really the main point of that is not just saying I love you, but pointing out that there's so many different kinds of love. Mm -hmm. And that love is love, which is that whole fight, right? Yeah. And I think that's just a huge idea to try to get people to understand. Just let me wear my fucking rainbow top (laughs) and be out and loud and hold hands with whomever my soul wants to be with. I think that's always been my argument when anyone is against the equal marriage laws and I just say why does that matter to you they're going to pay taxes so there's something that solves one of the problems that you're upset about too they're not getting any other special treatment why does it matter to you they're not going to make you marry them no please let me hold hands and kiss and marry whomever I choose to be with luckily you can in Arizona I can thankfully in Texas, which is crazy. For Texas being Texas, I'm always so Can surprised. Can I tell you, Linda and I laid in her bed as that was all being voted in, watching all the stuff and the different seats posting, and just sobbed hysterically. Oh. Yeah. It was a big deal. That that was, what, 
four years ago, five years ago now? That was before that was my brain. A huge deal. Yeah, that was before my brain said, hey, this is what it is. I have always known that I was different, but I didn't have a name <laughs> for it. I didn't have a name for it at that point. For a while, I played around with bisexuality, but it didn't fit. Didn't feel right. But, uh, yeah, I I absolutely adored this book. It was great. It was a fantastic book. Yeah. And now we get to the hard part for Kat. The part that she hates. I hate ranking things. The most. She hates ranking things. So, Kat, on a scale of one to five, how many stars do you give Red, White, and Royal Blue? See, and I don't think I'm going to regret this because I'm just going to give it a five. Thank you. It deserves a five. My notes are literally (laughs) just an infinity symbol. Out of five stars. It just, it's, this book is easily my favorite book of the entire year. And it's only June. on everything that we've talked about wanting out of a book. Yep. Not just the, like, romantic parts of it. But the other things that we've talked about needing our characters to have substance and to be diverse. There was plot. There was, there was plot outside of and it wasn't pressuring to read no so i would i yeah i would stick with my five rating it's a hard five it's a solid five it is i want to reread this book a thousand times it is a testament to how much i loved a book when you look at the book that i read and there's not a single sticky tab in it (laughs) because i read it and there was two sticky tabs at one point and then it just went and I read so quickly that I didn't have time to sit and say, oh my God, I love this. I'm going to put a sticky tab. Oh my God, I have a question about this. I'm going to put a sticky tab. It was simply that everything about it made me so happy that now the second time I read it, I'll go back and I'll put my tabs in it. So it'll be interesting to compare your feelings on this book to our next book by Kat Sebastian. Yes. Because we decided to do two. Yes. And so that'll be coming up real soon. The next book that we are going to be reading is Unmasked by the Marquess by Kat Sebastian. Uh, we are going to cover that next. We are doing two queer romances for the month of June because it is Pride Month. I am super excited about it. We've already started Pride Month off with a bang. This book was amazing. We love it. So we're hoping that that follows through with the next one. Yes. Um, so I think we're going to end it here. So thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Don't forget our, about our email. All of that information is in the show notes. Thank you so much for those who have listened and gone through my entire queer rant. <laughs> thank you for being supportive. And don't forget to live your best life as best as you can.